0: Welcome to Special Edition, a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personality shaping the stories. Special Edition is a production of Intercom Communications.
1: Thanks for joining us on Special Edition. I'm Paula Degnan. Today, Tina Zakowski returns. She's the Director of Revenue Cycle at the Wright Center for Community Health. Tina is going to talk to us about Medicare, Part A, B, C, Medicare Advantage, and Medicare Part D. <laughs> Tina, we're going to talk about something that is probably one of those issues where people don't realize it until they need it. And that's Medicare. So first, kind of give us an overview, if you would, because we've just gone through the process of all the commercials and the date to make decisions has gone. So now people have to basically live with the decisions they've made. So Give us the overview first, and then we have some questions.
2: Sure. When you're ready to retire, you turn 65, you have the choice of taking Medicare or choosing a Medicare Advantage plan. So w- at that time when you're making those considerations, there's a lot of things that you need to consider when choosing those plans, such as the premium for the Medicare Advantage plan, what benefits are covered. In a comparison to Medicare, And the Medicare Advantage plans what is your out-of-pocket going to be what happens if you're healthy right now but in five years something happens and you're gonna need additional treatments how much is that going to cost you what about your drugs anything you're taking what what is the expense going to be there what is your out-of-pocket going to be So these are all important things that you need to consider when it's time for you to retire and take Medicare or choose a Medicare Advantage plan.
1: So what's the difference then between Medicare and Medicare Advantage?
2: So a Medicare Advantage plan is a plan that CMS created so that they can actually have more control over the benefits for the patients make sure that they're getting their preventative services it's more to kind of control and and oversee those plans as just people just being on straight Medicare they're supposed to have some more benefits they have to at least at bare minimum cover everything that Medicare covers however they can add additional things like some dental some eye. so there's there could be some other benefits to the Medicare Advantage plans as well
1: Medicare Advantage, is that going to cost more?
2: The premiums are usually relatively reasonable depending on the services and the package that you choose. Most of the Medicare Advantage plans have multiple packages and you just have to look at what your out of pocket. That's the big key between them is what is your out of pocket going to be? For your co-pays going to the to the doctors, your specialist co-pays, co-pays for radiology, copays. pays or high-end radiology like your cat scans your MRIs your pet scans and then if you're in the hospital um, some plans do have where you have to pay a per diem per day or there's one f- amount for the whole admission that you may have to pay there's the ambulance if God forbid you need an ambulance there's a fee for that how much is that going to cost you so the difference is there's certain things that Medicare automatically cover but with Medicare you have a twenty percent you have a deductible and a 20% coinsurance depending on the service. So with that being said, you kind of have to weigh both of them out. With Medicare, you you know you should consider a supplemental to pick up the deductible and the, the co-insurances for those services. On the Medicare Advantage side, you're gonna have more of out-of-pocket related to deduct related to co-pays and some co-insurances. And sometimes you may have a deductible depending on the plan.
1: So in the scheme of things, it almost sounds like you're going to need a crystal ball to make a decision. Because once you've made your choice in the the end of the year, that you can't change for a year?
2: Correct. There has to be a, a-
1: like a life event. A life event. That's the word I'm. Looking okay. For. Life event. Yeah. Whether you, whether you uh, the spouse dies, whether um, something happens, so that would make a difference. But other than that, you're in. Correct. So if you find out, as you said, God forbid, you need the ambulance, and that isn't part of what you've selected, that comes back on you.
2: Correct. And that's why it's important to do a side-by-side comparison between Medicare and Medicare Advantage. Look at what your out-of-pocket is going to be and consider if you ever need any of these particular tests. Like For instance, an MRI, you might be paying $100 to $150 just for that MRI as an out-of-pocket. If you land in the hospital, you may have to pay again. You may have to pay per day for so many days. If you're in the emergency room now, we all know that the emergency room—they want to kind of deter you away from going there—and you'll have a copay of a hundred or seventy-five, depending on the plan. So the consumers have to be aware that they may have more out of pocket, even though their premiums are less with the Medicare Advantage plan. Again, that's why I go back to saying you need to do a side-by-side comparison and look at what is going to be best for you and your situation and if, God forbid you become ill in five years. Because the other thing to consider is, and I kind of learned this the hard way with a family member, is that if you need to get a supplemental plan as you age, those premiums increase. So for instance, my grandmother was eighty eight and I wanted to get her AARP and it was going to be like five hundred and some dollars. So it's important to to consider Everything when you're going on Medicare because, or when your retirement age, because it's kind of almost you have to plan it out. Because as you age, the premiums you'll see in some of the insurances will go up. And when it comes to supplemental, then you also
1: have a whole host, because as I mentioned when we first began, commercials were everywhere from all different areas, including, as you said, AARP and then hospitals. And other health groups, so you also have to look at that and be able to figure out where that is able to bridge the gap of what the Medicare or or Medicare Advantage, as well.
2: Yes. So what you want to do is when you're when you want to choose a supplemental plan to Medicare or a Medicare Advantage plan, you also need to ensure that they're going to cover your co-pays, your deductibles, your coinsurance is from your primary insurance, as well as one thing that's really important is skilled nursing. And what happens is normally between from your first day to 20 days, it's covered. But then you have that gap. And if you're going to be in skilled nursing for extended days, you're going to need to make sure that you have something to cover that. Otherwise, you'll be paying for those days. So that's something very important and of course that was a lesson I learned the hard way too.
1: So is skilled nursing is not the same as a nursing home?
2: No, skilled nursing would be if the, a patient was in the hospital and needed to get some rehabilitation to get them ready to go home. That's one step of it. So usually between the first 20 days that's covered at 100%, but if they need longer, that's an area that's not covered. And normally it's it's an out-of-pocket, and that's something to consider that's covered in your supplemental plan.
1: And if you're looking at a supplemental plan, as you said, if you're older or you have existing conditions, mm-hmm. that plays a factor as well?
2: Yes, it does.
1: So you, at the age of 65, who are going to begin taking an insurance, are going to look at something and say, well, I don't need that because I'm still out jogging or playing basketball or taking care of my grandkids every day. But that's not the right idea to have.
2: I no, and and I will use my grandmother as an example. Is that my grandparents were on a they were on a, on a Medicare Advantage plan and as you just said, they were healthy when they went on it, no problems, but 10 years into it my grandfather got really sick and then we had we incurred a lot of expenses and then the more, my more recent ordeal with my grandmother needing radiation which became out of pocket we had to pay for treatment which all this becomes very expensive because you're not realizing when you're choosing it the premiums are great and you know you're not you're only going to the doctors once a year because you're fine and everything's covered and you just have a copay but once you start having hospital admissions and you're getting into more extenuous care such as getting radiation or chemotherapy and then having to have high-end radiology, those costs tend to add up. So that's why it's important to consider what you're going to choose as your plan in the future and then making sure you have a supplemental to, to cover anything that your primary does not.
1: So what is, and again I go back to the commercials that we all hear, there's Medicare Part D, Medicare Part A, Medicare Advantage, help.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It is very confusing. So Medicare Part A is hospital. Medicare Part B is more of your physician. It deals more with your outpatient, your physicians. Part C is your Medicare Advantage plans. And Part D is your pharmacy plan.
1: We haven't even talked about that one yet. But before we get into that one, when we're also talking about the, the Medicare's, the supplementals, People who are coming into retirement have been seeing a physician, a certain facility that they're used to going to. Does that have to change, or is that something that everybody accepts? Because I know when we had you on our program before, you were talking about medical billing. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure that this must play into that too.
2: It certainly does, and that's a very good question. So it's very important if you're choosing a Medicare Advantage plan to make sure that your doctors are in network, any of the hospitals that you go to, your labs, any place you're going for your radiology services, you have to make sure that they're par with where you're normally going to otherwise you may have to change or you'll have an out of network cost applied. So that's a very good question and that's something you have to consider is to make sure your doctors are in the network if you go to a particular hospital, Even if you're going out of the area, if you have a doctor out of the area, you need to make sure that they're par with the plan that you're taking. And if they're not, if they're out of network, just know the cost that you may
1: incur. But doesn't everyone accept Medicare and Medicare Advantage?
2: Medicare, yes. Medicare Advantage, it just depends on the plan. It
1: depends
2: on the plan and where they're contracted with. So it's good just to just to make sure that if you're choosing a particular plan, just make sure that your doctors are par.
1: What about other um, aspects of different Medicare plans as well? And again, um you know when you when you're working and you have an employer plan, Sometimes they will say, well, if you don't smoke, if you are going to exercise, if you're, we're going to be able to maybe cut back on some of the premiums for those things, or as incentives, we're going to give you X amount of dollars in order to go to the gym or in order to take physical therapy or something. Do you lose all that in Medicare, or can you, is there a way to get things like that in Medicare as well?
2: Not so much Medicare, but it would be a Medicare Advantage plan that may offer you incentives to go to the gym um, to help you quit smoking, to help you lose weight, um, maybe to help you eat healthier. So the Medicare Advantage plans, depending on which one, they may have certain types of programs that would help you with that to, to help you become healthier.
1: Because I know that there are some even some hospitals in our area where they have um, different senior programs Mm -hmm. and you can get into those kind of programs where you have the opportunity to go and do other exercises. And it would just seem that if that's something that's keeping you healthy, that maybe there would be perks um, that you might be able to find out. But would you know
2: about that? As you're looking at these things, they're things you need to ask, and that's a very good point. So when you're doing your research, it's good to go on their website and it's good to like really research and get all the information you can f- from the insurance company so that you know what you're getting included as part of paying that premium if there's any other incentives out there. Again, like maybe one plan might have a discount for you going to just for example, the YMCA to swim or something to just to exercise. So, yes, it's you need to really do your due diligence when you're ready to sit down and look at which which way to go with the Medi- Medicare Advantage plan.
1: And is there someone to talk to?
2: For the Medicare Advantage plans, you would have to reach out to the insurance companies to ask them those questions. There are out in the community different organizations that have certified application counselors that are certified through CMS that can help you If you need to apply for something on the marketplace or if you're looking, um, if you need help trying to choose which insurance would be more beneficial for you.
1: Well, now, before um, we wrap up our discussion here, and I'm going to ask you if you can stick around, because I'd like to talk a little bit about prescriptions, because that is a whole part in itself and probably has a lot of different caveats so, Tina Zakowski, I'm going to ask you to just stick around for a little bit, and we will continue our discussion on Medicare, Medicare Advantage, and get into Part D. Don't go away. Tina Zukowski, Director of Revenue Cycle at the Wright Center for Community Health, will be back right after this break, and we'll be talking more Medicare, in particular Medicare Part D that deals with prescriptions, on Special Edition. Welcome back to Special Edition. Joining us today, Tina Zukowski. She's the Director of Revenue Cycle at the Wright Center for Community Health. She's been giving us a Medicare overview. And in this segment of Special Edition, Tina's going to tell us more about Medicare Part D, which focuses on prescriptions. Welcome back, Tina, and we're talking about Medicare and Medicare Advantage and probably one of the biggest things, aside from all of the health care coverage, is Part D, and that is prescriptions. Now, (laughs) I don't even know where to begin. I'm just going to toss it right over to you. What do we do about this?
2: So there are Part D plans that the seniors can choose from. There's many of them. Sometimes with the Medicare Advantage plans, if you're taking a Medicare Advantage plan, they already have a Part D plan. So that's another thing to consider when you're choosing a Medicare Advantage plan to also look at their Part D prescription plan. And what you want to make sure is either way, is that in this Part D prescription plan, that all of the medications you're taking, that number one, they're covered. Number two, what is your out of pocket cost going to be for those drugs? Whether they're generic and then also, you also have to remember that there's a part to all this, a little caveat called the donut hole. For 2019 is going away for the brand name prescriptions.
1: Now, what does that mean?
2: So that means that if you have a brand prescription, a brand name, there's different criteria for the donut hole. You're not going to have that Coverage, what they call you, are not going to have that gap. Oh, okay. Okay, there's other criteria that will need to be met for that, and a percentage of what you'll pay, etc. But, um, f- but it will the donut hole will remain in effect for the generic medications until 2020, and when um, you'll have to meet a deductible, but then you'll also have to reach a threshold of three thousand eight hundred twenty dollars.
1: Now, when you say threshold, is does that mean what you pay into it
2: aside from the deductible? Yes. So you have to meet a total out of pocket a threshold of three thousand eight hundred twenty dollars, and then one, from that point until I believe it's a five thousand one hundred dollars, you will pay the the out of pocket for those drugs.
1: Wait a minute, let's back up because I know when we talked about Medicare, Medicare Advantage, you talked about supplemental insurance. Is there
2: supplemental pharmacy? There is not a supplemental pharmacy. Depending on your income level, if you if you apply for PACE or PACENET, that may help you, but you have to fall into a certain income level for that. But there is not any there is no coverage to cover this donut hole.
1: And Again, we need a crystal ball because I didn't know that by June of this year, I was going to have to go on a new med. So what do I do?
2: Unfortunately, there's nothing you can do except, you know, you can talk to the pharmacy. You can see about the generic version of that drug. You can also talk to the pharmaceutical company who um, developed the drug and see if they have any type of incentives to help you if they can give I don't know if they'll give samples or they give you a discount card. Um, They're they're really that's really the only other options.
1: What about those discount cards? Because again, I've seen a lot of those advertised where um, they may not necessarily go with your plan, but they say this is a discount card. Good? Bad?
2: You know what you... But again, you have to do your due diligence and look at what is it going to cost for your drug on that discount card in comparison to putting it through your Part D plan. You know, sometimes it's cheaper, sometimes it's not. It's the same or it's more expensive. So you kind of really have to shop around. You know, I know some folks who actually don't even use their prescription plan and they use discount cards. Oh, But again, it depends on your medications. It doesn't work for everybody. So you really have to do your homework and and look at you know what's it going to cost you and in an in instance like you just said you have to reach out to the pharmaceutical companies because they're they do have different incentives online it just depends on what they're willing to offer mm-hmm. what they're offering at that time
1: a lot of times too we also see um, drugs that are available now I'm not talking about from a pharmacy that you may because that's a whole other, topic to, to talk about are, the on, are getting your drugs through the mail. Sometimes that can be a little bit cheaper, but sometimes if somebody goes online, they can see these drugs that are available to them, and because of the donut hole, because of the cost, they may go ahead and order them. But in your professional aspect of everything, sometimes you better make sure all the time where you're getting things
2: from? Well, so your your Part D plan may require you to get a maintenance therapy drug through a 90-day supply pharmacy. Right. They may require that. Now, if you're getting it through somewhere else and you're going to have to pay out of pocket then. Right. Right. So you kind of have to look at where is it going to be cheaper for you mm-hmm. um, as opposed to going through your Part D plan and doing the 90-day supply that way. Right. Or if you're going to find someplace outside of that. But just make sure it's reputable. Absolutely. Yeah. And normally, you know, Express Scripts is really popular. I'm familiar with that company. And um, But yes, you do have to shop around. You have to be careful what pharmacies, especially online, um, make sure they are reputable. Because a lot of times, just like with your doctor,
1: a lot of people don't want to have to give up their local pharmacy. But as we talked, and not only with Medicare and Medicare Advantage, but also with employer healthcare. That seems to be the trend is they want you to get 90 day supply. They want you to go through the mail with a lot of these things. But I guess a lot of people would be concerned because if you need something immediately, how do you go about doing that if you're dealing with the mail Now, I, I know that there are some caveats that will allow you to get something from your pharmacy maybe once or twice a year, but it's not like you can do that all the time. So you do have a little bit of a, a leeway.
2: You do, and it depends on the pharmacy you're dealing with. Either they could give you a couple days supply, you could either purchase it, or... Again, it depends on the pharmacy. They might give you 5 days worth till till it comes in or worst-case scenario, you can do a 30-day supply or try to do a 90-day through your local pharmacy, though it may cost you more money.
1: Again, when you're looking at all of these plans and you're looking at, at the different caveats and the different how do you make a decision, Tina? The, I, I know, I'm, I'm putting you on the spot there, but there's so many people out there listening, shaking their heads, saying, "But I don't know how do you, How do you know how to make a decision that's going to give you a little bit of breathing room six months from now?
2: You honestly just really have to sit down and and do your homework and kind of and do a comparison. And look at everything, and it's hard because when people are ready to retire, you want to make it supposed to be an easy thing—you just get your insurance and move on. But unfortunately, the way healthcare is going today, people really have to do their due diligence, do their homework, and look at all the possibilities. Try not to think about today; think about five, ten years now. What if you fall and break something? You know, what if you have to—God um, forbid—you get cancer and you need treatments. What is all of that? How is that going to affect you financially? That's really the bottom line. And like I said, I went through this whole thing with my grandmother and it was so eye-opening of the expenses we incurred during her getting sick, falling. She actually fell, broke her arm, landed in skilled nursing. And that's how all of this came to my came to fruition for me to become more educated on it not realizing all of the out of pocket expenses that she incurred
1: well see and that's that's even again with employer expenses because there are a lot of out of pocket dis- expenses that people are used to such as a deductible mm-hmm. But then you've added now this donut hole, and you've already got supplemental insurance that goes with the Medicare Advantage, and then that gives you a little bit more that you're going... So is there ever a point in time where you're just paying what you have to pay? Oh, she's smiling at me, and she looked really sad.
2: (gasps) If you're healthy, everything is good. If you become sick, it becomes a whole different situation in that you're incurring more costs so the thing of it is is that you just kinda have to sit down and look at it from the beginning when you're ready to determine if you want medicare or medicare advantage and either one they they both have their benefits and disadvantages but you have to look at it and then consider a supplemental just to make sure that any additional out-of-pocket that you're going to have is going to be covered i know a lot of people who just have medicare but they also now have all these additional expenses because they don't have a supplemental same way with the Medicare Advantage plan people just take the Medicare Advantage plan but then they have all these additional costs and they don't have a supplemental so it's just all things to consider from a financial perspective because again you don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow so it's always better to try to be a little bit prepared
1: than not and we're sorry for the people that had to make their decisions in December Yes. And we, we kind of miss them. But again, there are a lot of people who will be 65 and will be retiring. So, you know, I, I know that there are websites out there. So again, is it going to a .gov that's yes. going to give you the best information?
2: I would go to Medicare.gov and they really break everything down for you. They break down the Part A, what's covered under Part A, Part B, the Part C plans, and then the Part D, and it really explains the Part D, and it really explains the donut hole, and it goes through wh- how your expenses are going to be calculated and what you're going to owe. So that's very resourceful, and I think that's where people should start. And then if they're leaning in towards a supplemental plan, I believe there's a link there for that where it could take you, you could just keep drilling down, and you can look at various supplemental plans, you can look at Medicare Advantage plans. And there's a boatload out there. It's just a matter of looking at what you can afford, what they're going to cover, and um, if it if it meets your needs.
1: And I guess one of the other things, too, is we have so many people, even in our area, who at this time of the year are now heading to a better climate. So now is that something else that you have to take into consideration as well?
2: And that's a very good point because, yes, we've had where patients that – actually spend half their year here and half their year in florida but actually have an insurance in florida so the insurance they chose in florida get actually uh, becomes a bit of an issue because we're considered out of network so again it's always very important to make sure that whatever insurance you take no matter where you are that you if you're out of the area you have out of the area coverage for emergencies. Or if you're coming back home, make sure that your your doctor's in network. And if they're not, see if they'll become par with that plan so that they can treat you. Yes, that's a very good point. Wow. Well, we have, I've seen that happen.
1: And that okay. must, that must be an absolute nightmare.
2: Well, it is because then, you know, even to come in for primary care services, then you're talking now, they want you to have an authorization and it becomes very cumbersome. And, and it's really difficult on the patient because they have to fight as we help them, but they have to work with the insurance companies. So is it
1: Medicare or is it the supplemental insurance that's more in a, the network concerned?
2: It's actually the Medicare Advantage plan.
1: Oh, okay. So
2: Medicare, you can go anywhere in the country, even with your supplemental plan. It's the Medicare Advantage plan that you have to be careful if you're, if you're taking it from another state to make sure that if you come home, if you're in the warmer climate and then you're coming home, just make sure that your doctors, you have in-network coverage for living here.
1: Tina, we're going to have to have you back again because there's so much more that we haven't even gotten into. No, we haven't even. T- Do you have a piece of the iceberg that you'd like to leave with our our, uh, our listeners that uh, just to give them some at least some hope for retiring? <laughs> <laughs> I've decided it's a good thing I have a couple
2: more years after talking to you. The, the best piece of advice I can give you is just do your homework do all the research you can and just make sure you're thinking about the future and if something's going to happen so that you don't incur additional financial liabilities that you didn't think of that really can have an impact on your situation at that time so do your due diligence look at look at medicare look at your costs for medicare what's going to cost you out of pocket in comparison to the medicare advantage plans and what's covered, and what your out-of-pocket's going to be for that. And then along with that, your Part D, it's a lot to absorb, and it's a lot. And people at CMS, there's resources out there that can help you try to, to, to see what's going to be best for you. But the best is to just lay it all out on paper and look at it and look what's going to be best for you. Because once you make that decision now, as you continue to age and if you need a supplemental or you you want to make a change there's no guarantees with premiums that they're going to be the same or more like they're not going to stay the same you may see an increase
1: and if somebody says donut hole it doesn't mean that they're taking you to lunch
2: no it does not
1: Thanks once again to Dina Zukowski, Director of Revenue Cycle at the Wright Center for Community Health for joining us and giving us a little bit more information about Medicare. Whether it's someone you know, maybe yourself, who may be retiring in 2019 or maybe someone you know who's already involved in Medicare and made their decisions in 2018 to affect them throughout the upcoming new year. You may have been able to get a little bit more information to share. And of course, as Tina told us, you can also go to medicare.gov. Coming up next, one of the other things Tina talked about, staying healthy. More special edition to come. Welcome back to special edition. Dawn Webster, physician's assistant with MedExpress, tells us about staying winter healthy. First of all, thank you for joining us and being involved in the medical community, especially in the wintertime, must be very busy. And I don't want to take any business away from you, but can you give our listeners some good tips on hopefully not coming down with illnesses during the winter? Especially, here's the big thing, we always grew up and mom said, get outside and get rid of the germs. True or False. True, absolutely true. So what do we do when we're talking about, because then we think, well, if I go outside, I'm going to be in the cold, and then that's going to get me sick.
3: There are some bad things that can happen from being outside and exposed to the elements in the cold. But really, to prevent getting sick, one of the most important things you can do is wash your hands. So frequent hand washing is so important. Um, it helps you from getting or spreading colds, which are viruses, um like the flu. So when it comes to prevention, really just wash your hands. Um, If you have to cough or sneeze, definitely do so in a Kleenex or in your arm to prevent those germs from going everywhere. And then also, if you're going to be handling food, make sure you wash your hands beforehand.
1: Now, one of the other things that we hear a lot of times is, well, just stay away from sick people. But a lot of times you don't even know that someone might be sick. So how do you do that? Right.
3: Well, again, you know, it's very hard. If you have any signs of illness coming on, you just don't feel good, you feel tired, you start to feel like you may be a little bit chilled, that would be a pretty good indication to maybe stay home, not go to work. I know people want to go to work and, you know, be a team player, but we don't want you going to work and spreading those germs around. So definitely stay home if you're not feeling, you know, just quite like yourself. And then the other thing we really recommend is we want people to get their flu shots if they haven't done so already. People have um, often think that getting the flu shot makes them sick, and it doesn't. It absolutely does not. It is not a live virus. It cannot make you sick. It does not give you the flu.
1: All right. So I'm going to put you under the microscope here now, Dawn. And what's the difference then between someone saying, well, you're sneezing over there, and you turning around and saying, I have an allergy.
3: (laughs) Well, allergies do make you sneeze. Sneezing when you're sick does spread germs. Sneezing when you're not sick still spreads germs, but you don't have a virus, you know, essentially to spread. So when you do have allergies, you're sneezing, and you should take the same precautions, you know, sneeze into a Kleenex, wash your hands after you sneeze, wash your hands after you blow your nose. But yes, people that sneeze from allergies aren't actually spreading viruses.
1: They're just sounding like they're sick, and sometimes, again, yes. sometimes you don't know because, ag- again, you have some sniffling, you have somebody sneezing, you have a little bit of a cough. That could be a lot of other things. Now, a lot of people will also say, well, it's, it's a sinus infection, and that's not, that's not transmittable to you. True or false? Well, technically
3: true. Sinus infections are not contagious. However, the viruses and the colds that cause sinus infections, those are contagious. So people come in all the time and they say, I, you know, I have a new baby at home or I want to go visit my family. Can I do it if I just have a sinus infection? Well, you really shouldn't because the virus that caused that sinus infection can be spread.
1: Mm, Well. See, we're learning a lot of the the true and false from all this. And, And a lot of the things are coming from, again, when we were growing up. And our moms would say, well, you have to bundle up if you're going outside. Is that necessarily the case? Because a lot of times, you know, you see people that are outside, and we mentioned in the very beginning of our interview that going outside is good for you. So does the bundling up really matter? It does,
3: yes. So you want to dress in warm layers if you're going to be outside in the cold weather. You, you want your base layers to be warm and dry all the time. So if it's snowing or raining um, or it, there's the potential to snow or rain, you have to make sure that outer layer is waterproof because as long as your inner layers are warm and dry, essentially you're going to help keep your body heat in.
1: Okay, I'm going to give you another one now. What happens when you get a chill?
3: When you're outside and you get a chill, as long as you're not shivering and you're not having any pain, most likely you're just cold and you can go inside and warm up. But if you do start to have any type of pain or numbness in your fingertips or your nose or your toes, then that could be a sign that you're starting to get frostbite and you really should get inside as soon as possible.
1: Oh, well, let's hope that doesn't happen anytime soon. Again, what would be some good tips, especially during this winter season, indoors, uh, things to do to not spread disease and not to even get a cold in the very beginning?
3: All right, so take-home tips would be frequent hand washing. Absolutely wash your hands, especially if you sneeze or cough or blow your nose. Um, Second would be to get a flu shot if you haven't done so already. And third would be stay home and don't go visiting or go to work if you do feel like you're getting sick.
1: So what can we do in order to avoid getting sick while we're traveling?
3: One of the big things that I like to talk about when people have trips coming up are... First of all, making sure that if you have prescription medicines, you have enough to go with you. So if you're taking a medicine every day and you're leaving for a week, but you only have three days left, that's not going to do you very much good. And it's very tough to get a hold of a doctor or um, a pharmacy even when you're traveling and try to get something refilled. Number one is making sure you have enough of your prescription medicine to go with you. And then along those same lines, some prescription medicines you actually need notes to travel with. Um, if you're a diabetic and you have to take needles um, or any type of liquid medication, so you have to think about that too. Do you need a special note from your doctor to take those on flights with you?
1: And there are so many apps that people have now on their phones that they can get. Are these type of things secure so that if something does happen and you put all of your information that maybe it's better than, um, because I know what we used to do, we used to write them down.
3: And that's probably still a good idea. Because what happens if your battery dies? Or what happens if you can't get that app to open or that app crashes? So even if, you know, you do have it all on your phone, it's, So a very good idea to write it down and keep it in your wallet with your license or your travel documents.
1: And while we're on the subject of traveling, of course, if we are traveling in a car, we have a little bit more uh, leeway as far as stopping and you pretty much know who you're traveling with. But when it comes to airplanes, trains, even going on a cruise, perhaps, what can we do in order to keep ourselves healthy?
3: If you're going to be in an airplane or a train, it wouldn't be a bad idea to bring hand sanitizer or even those sanitizer wipes just to kind of wipe down your area. They're supposed to do that before you get on and after you get off. But what if an area gets missed? So that's never, ever a bad idea. And then also lots and lots of water. The other thing I recommend are taking vitamins. A multivitamin is great to start with. And then if you are traveling or during cold season, I also like to tell people to take some extra vitamin C.
1: What about things like zinc? Yes, no? Sure.
3: So zinc is one of them um, that people hear a lot about. So is echinacea. That's another really big one this year. Those aren't FDA approved. So what that means is the studies that people have on them are essentially just studies. Um, you know, they report data, but it's not something there's no checks and balances. It should help, but is there actual scientific evidence not really sure. But the other thing I like to mention is there are some medications that people take that those um, supplements are not a good idea. So if you are going to take something like that, definitely stop and talk to the pharmacist and make sure they're not going to interfere with the medications you take on a daily basis.
1: Even taking medications with juices i've I've heard mm-hmm. that you're, there are certain that you're not supposed to take with grapefruit juice.
3: yes. and and some antibiotics you can't take while you're taking multivitamins. Um, doxycycline is a big one. It is um great for any type of pneumonia or even tick borne illnesses. And that one you cannot take your multivitamins with it. You have to be very careful to spread them out a few hours. And some people don't take them at all, you know, their multivitamins at all while they're on that antibiotic.
1: We have actually been pretty fortunate, I know, for at least my thinking, is that it hasn't been cold. We haven't had a lot of snow, we haven't had a lot of that winter weather, but Eventually, it's going to come.
3: When you're going to be outside in the elements, the most important thing to do is to dress in layers. Now, when you dress in layers, um, what that does is that helps keep your body heat in. And the most important part of that is making sure that very outer layer is waterproof. Because once you get wet, it is very hard to keep your, your warmth in. So if your outer layer is waterproof, that's huge, especially if it's snowing or raining. And even if it's not snowing or raining, you know, you can get some moisture on you just by being outside. So even if, if you're not thinking you're going to need that, it's still a good idea to make sure that outer layer is waterproof. Now, when you're outside, some of the early warning signs are, are pain and redness. So if your nose or your fingertips or your toes, if they start getting painful, that's the first indicator that, you know, you need to start being a little bit more diligent and watching Now, unfortunately, after that pain, they can actually get numb. And that's when people kind of get into trouble because they don't feel them and they don't realize that they're actually getting damaged. So what frostbite and hypothermia is, is the distal, which is the very end part of your your extremities, when you're actually starting to damage that tissue because it's too cold. So that's, you know, and and that can actually lead to, to very bad things like amputation.
1: That must be when it gets to a point where it's very severe. And when we talk about things like this, um, I often wonder then where things like alcohol come into play. Because people will go out, they may go skiing, they may go ice skating, and then say, well, we'll have something to warm us up and maybe add something to the hot chocolate or tea. Probably not a necessarily good way to warm up.
3: Right. No. If you
1: drink alcohol
3: or if you use tobacco, both of those things actually increase your risk for frostbite and hypothermia when you're out in the cold.
1: And what about gloves? Is it better for a mitten or a glove? Yeah. So honestly,
3: as far as that goes, it's really a personal preference. It's tough for adults to wear mittens because they do. A lot of times they need use of all of their fingers separately. But as long as, like I said, that glove has, and most of them now do have an outer, uh, waterproof outer layer. But if not, um, if you are wearing just the cotton mittens, making sure, or cotton gloves, making sure that you put another pair on top that has that waterproof outer layer.
1: Don, what do you find people are coming in and talking to you most about at MedExpress this time of the year?
3: Right now, there are just a ton of colds. There's colds and coughs um, sore throats. Really, it's just all these weather changes we've been having, you know, it'll be a little bit warm, and then it'll get a little bit cold, and people's noses start running. So really, it really is all upper respiratory right now that we're seeing. So what do we do? It's tough. It's very tough to know the difference. So one of the first things we look at is how long someone has had symptoms. So if you know, if they've only had a runny nose for a couple days, there's a very, very slim chance that they need an antibiotic for that. Um, most likely it's viral or what we call, um, you know, weather induced rhinitis, which just means a runny nose because of those weather changes. So it's, it's very similar to allergies almost, you know, the tissues in your nose, they, they don't respond as quickly and they, you know, they contract when they get cold and then it gets warm and, you know, that just kind of doesn't, doesn't know what to do. So you kind of get some inflammation and some runny nose. Now, the other thing we look at is if someone has a fever, so, You know, people can get fevers with colds, but adults normally don't. There's only a few illnesses people get fevers with as an adult. Um, And some of the big ones are strep throat, the flu, and pneumonia. You know, if an adult comes in and they have a fever of 102 or 103, those are the three big things that we're worried
1: about. Feed a cold, starve a fever, starve a fever, feed a cold. What do you have, Don?
3: (laughs) Honestly, with that one, it is whatever makes you feel better. So the truth behind the chicken noodle soup, salt, just like people when they say do Epsom salt soaks for um, any injuries, salt is a natural anti-inflammatory. So when you're eating that chicken noodle soup, it's all that sodium that's actually helping. So it's going down your throat. It's kind of um, essentially just like a saltwater gargle. It's going to re- relieve the inflammation kind of up in those tissues. So if you have a sore throat, if you have a runny nose, you know, salt uh, saltwater gargles and chicken noodle soup really do help. Um, It's not just, you know, an old wives' tale, something your mom would say or your grandma would say. It really does, you know, help with your symptoms.
1: Their voices were ringing in my ears as you were (laughs) talking. (laughs) Anything else that you'd like to leave with the audience today, Dawn?
3: Um,
1: I think that, you know, one of the things I do
3: like to always stress is if you haven't already gotten a flu shot, please, please do so. Um, Even if you do end up getting the flu, if you get the flu shot, studies show that, symptoms are not as severe as those who have not gotten the flu shot. So that's one of the big things I always like to stress if I can.
1: Thanks again to Dawn Webster, physician's assistant with MedExpress in Pittsburgh for giving us some good staying healthy tips and happy new year.
0: Thanks for listening to Special Edition, a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personalities shaping the stories. A production of Intercom Communications.